Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of our podcast series, Spotlight and Alternatives. I'm Philip Murphy, and today we're going to take a global look at some of the more macro issues that are impacting the alternative space. I'm joined today by Deirdre Fortune, who's our Head of Asset Management Tax globally and part of our US tax practice and indeed KPMG Ireland alumni. Welcome Deirdre to the podcast today, thanks for joining us. Thanks Philip, it's great to be here. You've been in the, your global role for a number of months now and, and travelling around lots of our network offices and asset management hubs. Interested to get your thoughts initially around uh, what you're seeing as the key trends and developments in alternatives. Yeah, so I think that the biggest uh, hurdle or challenge that people are dealing with is all the regulation. It's coming fast and furious throughout the world, not just US or Europe, Asia, all of Africa, different countries, we're getting more and more of the regulation and having to deal with that, both from a data perspective, reporting perspective, is a huge uh, both trend and challenge for, for clients. And also dealing with the geopolitical environment that we're in right now and the economic environment, just interest rates, inflation, so these are real challenging things, especially for the alternatives. And it has led to a lot of kind of uncertainty and maybe waiting and not doing as many transactions as we've seen previously. So, and, and it varies by asset class, what exactly is occurring. So I would say in, in real estate, we're definitely seeing uh, on the commercial side fall in that. Residential still, um, especially in Asia, uh, a lot of residential buildings acquisitions still going on. From a PE perspective, a lot of softness when it comes to transactions. Um, credit, very strong right now. It seems to be a, a lot of money still needs to be put to work. And then obviously the renewables and infrastructure as well, especially with um, the Green Deal in the EU and then the Inflation Reduction Act in the US. So. Opportunities, but still on that challenges if we can get past this current economic environment. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, I'd say we're probably seeing the same locally and, and as they're kind of, I think it's such a such a global space that, that alternative managers operate in. Uh, kind of interested in your thoughts around kind of what we're seeing in, in KPMG is the, the demands from our clients. What are we seeing as the trends and what they're looking for? Maybe generally, but also specifically on, 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 on tax, if, if you want to go there. Yeah, I think the, the demands for clients is that obviously with it, all this regulation that they have to deal with, the data, being able to get it to satisfy the regulation, technology, I mean, it's not something that they have the resources internally. So it's definitely looking out for support from us um, to be able to provide the services, the knowledge that we have, and then also just from a compliance standpoint as well, being able to answer to all of those regulatory um, issues that we're facing. And I think one really important thing is the fact that connectivity. Clients are really now from, especially the global ones, are looking for a one-stop shop as such and being having that global connectivity within KPMG to face off to the client's connectivity, that is really important and proven that the world is getting smaller and smaller every day. Yeah, abs absolutely. I've certainly seen it myself with, I think we we act on a joint basis with member firms more and more often than whereas previously in, in years gone by we used to be quite siloed but that's kind of the global business that is is alternative investments it's you've product in one jurisdiction investments in another and that's kind of across asset classes 
Yeah, and we have to move to that. We have to get that connectivity yeah. across yeah. all. I know the time zones don't help, especially in Asia <laughs> and the yeah. US, Europe, but it's definitely something that we we have to get right. Yeah, and, and specifically maybe on, on, on tax services, is there is there anything that you're seeing? I, I, I don't think I said it at the start, but you're a tax partner by trade in terms of the demands from our clients around tax, kind of what's, 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 what's hot in that space and what's, does it differ across asset classes? I think on the tax side, technology and being able to support what is being demanded from a tax perspective. Obviously, the connectivities we talked about when you are doing investments all around the world, uh, you know, a lot of when I think about the sovereign wealth, they have a huge amount of capital that they need to deploy all over the world. And from a tax perspective, being having the right people to offer the right guidance, uh, advice, for those kind of transactions is really the demand that we're seeing uh, and being able to fulfill that and taking that all the way to the compliance from a tax perspective. Obviously, every jurisdiction has their own rules when it comes to the tax. So having that knowledge and that connectivity from the tax side is extremely important. And the tax rules legislation continues to get changed and get yeah. more and more complicated and then you have the global minimum tax too coming in on top of everything else so yeah it's it's it's, it's an ever changing kind of pace pace of life and we, we will do a, a specific podcast that's that's touching on some of those nuances with with with, with developments in the tax landscape C- certainly one of the things that that we've seen i'd say in europe is is around kind of softening from investors around the use of Cayman or offshore product right so so we're seeing a greater drive for onshore greater drive for regulation I think some of that is is influenced by uh, certainly ESG right so we started off with it was at the sovereign level was where that was really important they didn't want a Cayman or didn't want aggressive tax planning but it's starting to move down to the institutional space but I've always been amazed by I don't really see that on the US side it seems like investors will invest in what they're familiar with are, are you kind of seeing any of that or do you think that might change that sentiment from us investors maybe as esg becomes more more prevalent i think the demand is going to, the investor is going to look for more opportunities in the esg space mm-hmm. absolutely as the more millennials um gen zers so all mm-hmm. of that comes into place but i think familiarity unless somebody is going to look to a new jurisdiction it kind of we need that first person to to make the move mm. and i think from a u.s perspective that familiarity and what they've done before what they've tried they've tested they know how it works is definitely hard to change when you when you're in in the alternative space yeah it sounds like we're going to continue to have the kind of the top side issues that we see regularly with trying to accommodate different investor needs. So whether it's commercially familiarity in US, sovereigns, which you mentioned, European institutionals, which which ultimately is really causing people to, to kind of blank page uh, their fund structures and go back to go back to the drawing board yeah. a, a, a bit more and more, which is which is uh, it's never changing. And it's usually like, especially from the US, like mm. it's the hubs that you look at, you know, here in Ireland, Luxembourg, mm. obviously UK brought out the the whole holding company, yeah. but it's hard to change to that too. And then in, in obviously in Asia, you're looking at Hong Kong and Singapore mm. as the two areas as well. Which, uh, which speaks to the point that you made earlier on around that kind of global connectiveness, because alternative managers or private equity houses, 
they'll do multi-asset class, uh, different things in different jurisdictions. So I think the days are gone of somebody being a, a solely Irish house or Cayman house or so on. And that kind of that kind of broader piece becomes more important. Way more important. Way more yeah. important. Yeah, we, we touched on a few different asset classes there uh, as, as you've been going through it, right? So, so like over the years, I'd say we've seen a good bit of change in alternatives. Credits remain pretty, pretty strong, right? And and been ever present for the last number of years. We're seeing new asset classes like music royalties uh, mm -hmm. coming on stream and, and lots of the big names kind of uh, entering into that field. Do you have any predictions or thoughts on what might be next? Or indeed, if it's not asset class, what the next kind of three years is going to hold for alternatives? Yeah, I, I wish I had the crystal ball, Philip. I probably wouldn't be sitting here if I did. But I think some of the, obviously crypto and tokenization, mm. we're seeing that start in the US, funds tokenizing their actual funds. So that's something that's yeah. more new. But I think human capital could be one too for the future. Again, all of that has to be worked out as to how that can be. But that's definitely something that could potentially um, change in the future. But. I mean, everything at this point is up for, for grabs when yeah. it comes to... Yeah, I think if you went back 10 years and said, this is what this end state is going to be in 10 years' time, nobody would have predicted no. what, what, what we have. And I think that's the beauty of kind of alternatives. It's, it's opportunistic. It's kind of... Uh, it moves with the, with, with the way things are going uh, more, more dynamically globally. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ever, ever changing. Yeah, and it's always looking for what that return is, what's that next opportunity. And I think right now, too, we have that kind of push and pull when it comes to um, the ESG or climate and doing good. And maybe that's not the same return as you, you normally have or you want to have. So there is definitely that, that tension there, too. Yeah, it's a real trade-off in terms of uh, zero tax structure, but also doing what you need to do to get the investor capital in. Uh, because I think zero tax actually doesn't work for some investors yeah. anymore because it's it's just at the at the, the wrong level of uh, of uh, aggressiveness uh, yes. in terms of what you're what you're doing from a planning perspective. I'd like to thank Deirdre for her insight and inputs. I think it's been a really good discussion today. I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning in today. If you've got any questions on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me or indeed to your usual KPMG contact.